This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 631. Make sure you check us out, MarkingOut.com. Make sure you give a listen over on Spotify and wherever else you may be listening to the podcast. Go buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. Follow us on Twitter at MarkingOut. Give us a like over on Facebook. Give us a follow on Instagram, MarkingOut11. Also, check us out on Twitch, on YouTube, and wherever else you may be on social media. But I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave, and I am here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always. How about yourself? Doing uh, mighty fine. Mighty fine. Oh, so how, how was, was your week? <laughs> my week was good. My week was good. You know, nothing to uh, write home about. How about your week? Yeah, really, same here. Not much. I, I did make a cheddar cheese dip, though, that I thought was really good. And I want to pat cheddar myself on the back for that. Dip. It was there a cold go, dip. A little... Normally, yeah. what? A little a bit little of Barry what? Horowitz? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but normally, if I'm making like a, a cream cheese-based dip, it's like a, a hot dish. Mm-hmm. But I decided to make a cold one. It was cream cheese, mayo, sour cream. Worcestershire sauce, garlic powder, and 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 of course the cheddar cheese was really good. Worcestershire. It's always Worcestershire. a weird, weird name. Worcestershire. Yeah. All right. But I would recommend it. I didn't measure anything, so have at it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. He did not measure. I, I anything. do think. I think maybe I could have put more garlic powder in, but that's basically the recipe. Just think. If it's too thin, put more cream cheese. If it's too thick, add more sour cream. I think that's a good or uh, mayo. Yeah, why not? I mean, I don't know. You're the cook, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, well, that was cooking with Brandon, and now let's get on to some pro wrestling talk. Talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro, and. It opened up with Paul Heyman, Solo Sokoa, and Jimmy Uso arriving to the arena. Paul basically just setting the tone of Solo Sokoa versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Jimmy Uso. And the first match that we had was Kevin Owens picking up the victory over Solo Sokoa via disqualification. Um, The match started, or even before the bell, Kevin Owens attacked Solo. And then in the match, we saw Jimmy get involved. Kevin eventually knocks him off the apron, and Jimmy broke up the pin to cause a DQ. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, Solo's first loss. I believe on the main that's roster. correct, yeah. yeah and it's weird because it's like, on the main roster. It, it seems like the, the loss was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Here in this match. But Jimmy got involved. They continued to beat down Kevin Owens, and then Sami Zayn made the save. Right before Solo was going to hit the... Uh, Right before he was going to put Kevin Owens to the table. Mm-hmm. And Sammy offered Kevin Owens his hand and 
he didn't take it. Oh, I guess that Sammy confronted he confronted Kevin Owens later on, and he asked him if Kevin Owens can see that he can't take down the bloodline by himself. It's just too much. And Kevin Owens said, still, right now, still, he does not want to do it with Sami Zayn. And he said, go back to Roman. Apologize, I'm sure he'll take you back. He's got to listen to Cody. Cody was trying to plead with him and talk sense into him. Yeah. You know? That's, That's much later on. Yeah. After that, we saw Bobby Lashley. Uh, where he addressed what happened on SmackDown. He wants to face Bray Wyatt face-to-face or whatever, not Uncle Howdy. Bray stuff flickered, and that was that. Yeah, about that. After that, Carmella, we saw backstage saying that Adam Pearce should have made her match a number one contender match to be added to WrestleMania. And then Chelsea Green said that she and her should write a letter or speak to... Adam Pierce's manager and get the match changed. And then Carmella was like, Oh, you should come with me to the ring. So Chella seems to be like a blossoming tag team here. I'm, I think that they could do a tag team. Why not? And we saw Bianca Belair go on, pick up the victory over Carmella to retain the championship. I was enjoying the match, but Chelsea got involved, dragged into the ring and then got involved later on, and Bianca Belair chased her around the ring and tossed her over the barricade, and Carmella tried to cheat with her feet on the ropes, but Belair kicked out. That had no effect on her. She hit the KOD, picked up that victory. I think we need to stop with the distractions in every single match, though. Yeah, there's been a, there's been a good amount of them. AEW does that so much. We com- I complained about it last week mm-hmm. with WWE and NXT doing that. It happens later on on Monday Night Raw as well. Yeah, a little bit too many. But I did like what happened after this. Chelsea jumped Bianca Belair and Asuka came out and then spit the mist in her face. And then Asuka had one of the best tweets I've ever seen where she tweeted out Chelsea Blue. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I think it was so funny. Yeah. That was a good one. But next up you had uh, Miz TV. Miz TV to help set up the uh, the match with Logan Paul later uh, for WrestleMania. Yeah, it was a Seth Rollins-Logan Paul face-to-face. I liked when uh, Logan Paul told the crowd to shut up because all they do was uh, sing Seth Rollins' theme song and then they just like went, they, they got louder with that. So I thought that was good heel, like, mic work there from him. Mm-hmm. And him and Seth Rollins had good back and forth. It's Obviously, it sets up WrestleMania. It got physical with Logan Paul coming out on top. Yeah, I mean, but in Seth Rollins' defense, he was totally blindsided by that. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, now we at least have a reason. Even though Logan Paul goes out and kills it every single time, now we have a reason to actually boo Logan Paul. Yeah, I mean... He totally got the upper hand on Seth Rollins in this one, hitting with that right hook, just knocking him out, really. Yeah. And, um, but next up, you had Omos pick up the victory over Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler doing the job. Omos you going had, uh, over. I don't know if I'd say doing the job. Yeah, I mean. But Mustafa Ali was ringside trying to motivate Dolph Ziggler. And that's where it's. This is where the. Like, he was the reason why. Dolph Ziggler had this match 
Mustafa mm-hmm. Ali was like, hey, man, I got you a match. And then it turned out to be this. And it was a very, very quick match. And yeah. MVP spoke to Brock Lesnar quickly. And it makes sense that he would have the win over Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler's a former champion. And you need to build almost up to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Yeah. So I totally now agree. I, I'm like starting to see it as like a, one of those like spectacle matches everyone keeps talking about. Yeah. Are we going to see Brock? I mean, it's to see an F5 on almost would be cool. Right. I feel like we've seen that though. Right. Maybe not on almost. I don't, I don't know. Like so. on almost. I feel like somebody has done a big move to almost before though. Maybe not, not sure. F5, but next up you had Johnny Gargano pick up the victory over Finn Balor. Um, nice back. Definitely nothing like their takeover Portland match. No, definitely not. But it was a nice back and forth match. Judgment Day got involved. And then Edge came out and shoved Balor off the top rope behind the referee's back. Behind, I mean, behind the, um, Judgment Day's back too. I mean, you have Rhea Ripley and Priest guarding at the stage, but Edge came in, coming through the crowd to get to, uh, ringside. Yeah, and then Johnny hit one final beat, picked up that victory, and Loomis was able to take out Damian Priest. Mm-hmm. And Edge speared Finn Balor. Yeah. And then Edge said he'll be in the ring next week, and he challenged Finn Balor to come out and settle it. Balor still has that challenge to Edge for WrestleMania, so I assume next week we find out that it will be Finn Balor versus Edge at WrestleMania. Yeah. I think that's going to be a good one. But. After that, we saw Piper Niven pick up the victory over Nikki Cross. Nikki attacked Piper Niven before the match. Um, it was a really quick match with not much in it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Piper or Nikki, really. It was just really a filler match. Didn't do much. We saw, yeah, we saw Rick Boogs backstage trying to lift a truck, which I thought was funny. But Elias... <laughs> Walked up to him and asked what he learned from last week. And he told him that Boogs needs to go out like he did and do what he did. And Elias sent him over to Bronson Reed to challenge him. And when Boogs came out, he's like, I did what you told me to do. And it ends up, he said, Elias wants to challenge you. So Bronson Reed was like, you want a match? I'll give you a match next week. So that set that up, and I thought that was—I thought that was another funny part where it was like Elias is trying to teach Boogs to to like go out there and make challenges, but he made a challenge because he he repeated what Elias said. Yeah. So I thought that was funny. After that, we had John Cena's return to Monday Night Raw in Boston, immediately interrupted by Eight Town Down, Austin Theory, and, and Theory laid out a challenge to John Cena at WrestleMania. And John Cena said no, and then gave Austin Theory advice. He was like, you're in your ruthless aggression era phase. He gave him a bunch of other talking points, and then it started to get like, I mean, I don't want to say hmm. ruthless. <laughs> oh, it it definitely was ruthless. I mean, this John Cena was laying it out totally. And he said that regardless of winning or losing at WrestleMania, Austin Theory would still lose because he'd have to deal with that crowd afterwards. Which I assume is like the pressure of being the guy who beat John Cena. Yeah. 
And Cena gave Austin Theory the chance to leave the ring, and Theory was like, I'm not going anywhere, just like that bald spot on your head, which Cena owned it owned up to that. That was a big thing last time on, on SmackDown that yeah. everyone, for some reason, needed to make fun of. Yeah, and I John think that... Cena owned up to it. Yeah. I, I thought that that was huge. But John Cena still laid it out to him and saying how he's really just in a lose-lose position. He you brought know? up that, that fake uh, crowd noise and everything for Theory's matches. Yeah, that they don't have to pipe in for anything he ever does. And then he said... Yeah. The 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 reason he said no was because Theory's just not ready. And he pulled the, the crowd and the crowd, I guess, wants Cena versus Theory. So that's a WrestleMania match. Yeah, then John Cena heads out. You know, but but then... even before we talk about that next thing. Okay. This has been building for years. Even if it's one-sided... Here and there, we have seen John Cena put, like, the, the Instagram post. He'll post a, a picture of Austin Theory or whatever. We literally stood feet, a few feet from him while he spoke to that camera and called John Cena out when he was the Evolve champion. Hey, John, you know where I am. It's his childhood hero. It's been building for years. So I'm... Pumped to see Austin Theory versus John Cena. I totally agree. I think that this is going to be an awesome match. I'm looking forward to the promos leading up to it. And I'm looking forward to what's going to take place after the match even too. I mean, you had John Cena mentioning that he still has to go out there the Monday night after and face the crowd. So it's going to be really interesting. I Could you see Austin Theory going over? I could see John Cena... Becoming the new U.S. champion. I feel like I could see actually both of them. You know, I I think it would be, I feel like John Cena definitely set up Austin Theory the night after because now the crowd is going to be very, very loud at the row after if he wins. So I feel like it could go either way. But then after that segment, John Cena introduced Cody and it was literally just a hug and that was it. So I don't know if that was like a passing of the torch. Cody, I believe, asked John for a match. Yeah. And I, I, I think John said scheduling, basically. Yeah. If I, I'm not I feel, mistaken. I, I think he said something about not having... Get, uh, I forgot what he said. Or what it was said to be said. But, but earlier yeah. in the night, we saw Maximum Male Models putting somebody over off camera. And Corbin thought they were talking to him, which I thought was funny. And it turns out that it was Otis. And Maxine said that if Baron Corbin can take Chad Gable out, she'll consider having him as a client. And then, which, by the way, that backstage segment, I'm like, holy crap, Chad Gable's getting a win tonight. (laughs) And then Chad Gable goes on, picks up the victory over Baron Corbin. So, like, I'm pumped. Nothing mm-hmm. like his last match with uh, with Cody last week, but a win is a win. Hey, a win is definitely a win. And, by the way, they announced uh, the king and queen of the ring for Saudi Arabia for the last Saturday of May. Maybe we could see Chad Gable end up winning the, the, the king of the ring this year. Ooh, 
He came very, that. very close that last time and lost to Baron Corbin. Yeah, yeah. That could so, happen. I'm here for uh, Chad Gable, King Gable. Mm-hmm. After that segment, we saw Becky Lynch and Lita. Was he King before? No, he he went to the finals. Oh, and then it was that him was versus him in the Baron Corbin feud. Yeah. Okay. Even Shane McMahon, uh, I think. I watched Shane versus Chad Gable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember now. Um, but Becky Lynch and Lita spoke about winning the tag team championships. They brought Trish Stratus out. Damage control interrupted. And Trish laid out the challenge for WrestleMania, which we all saw coming. EO and Dakota Kai looked like they weren't pleased with Bailey accepting that challenge. But it was a ploy, I guess, to maybe try to get the upper hand in that segment. But it didn't work out, and it left Bailey three on one. So here we have Trish Stratus and Lita in 2023 wrestling a match at, at WrestleMania. I'm pumped. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, part of me is like a little bit bummed that we don't just have straight up Bailey versus Becky Lynch. But on the other hand, I feel like. As a fan, Bailey, uh, Sky, and Kai are all living, I guess, and um, Becky Lynch are all living part of their dreams of like actually competing in a WrestleMania match involving Lita and Trish Stratus, who Bailey even says how all of them became wrestlers because of them. So it's, you know, it's one of those moments where you got to be happy for them, I guess. And uh, as like a fan, I think it kind of sucks because even like last year's WrestleMania, looking back, it's like, damn, I really wish I was at WrestleMania. And even mm. this year, I really wish I'm going to WrestleMania. And I'm sure it'll be the same thing with next year. Next year is even closer. It's in Philadelphia. Do I think I'll be going? Probably not. But you know, it's like WrestleMania. I just always, it's a special show. Yeah, it is. Main event saw Jay, uh, Sami Zayn. Pick up the victory over Jimmy Uso. We saw Solo get kicked from ringside after the referees caught him trying to hit Sammy with the Samoan spike. But Jay shows up to the crowd. I guess maybe hypes up Jimmy. But Sammy wins pretty quickly after that. And Jay gets in the ring, puts his hand over Jimmy's heart, leaves the ring and hugs Sammy. Gets a huge pop. Yeah, this was like just building up and building up and you had just Jimmy in the ring really confused it seemed like or more let down, you know. But then they they both him and and Sammy put the ones up. And then Jay puts him down. Super kicks Sammy Zayn right in the face right outside that ring and the bloodline beats Sammy Zayn up. This was yeah. the same building where Jay finally accepted Sami Zayn at War Games. Huh. And it and it wasn't Kevin Owens who ran down to make the save, it was Cody Rhodes. And like you brought up earlier, Cody was backstage in the background talking to Kevin Owens. Yeah, I mean, I, I jumped the gun a little bit on that one, but it's so it's one of those moments that is so valuable to point out throughout the entire night about that throwback to well, it's not a throwback, a throw forward, but it's it's just so important. But this entire thing was huge. I mean, you kind of knew that it was going to take place too. 
but right because we're obviously going to see Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens become tag team champions at WrestleMania, and then uh, they announced Backlash beginning of May in, in Puerto Rico, their first premium live event pay per view since New Year's Revolution in two thousand five. And uh, Bad Bunny's hosting it, but for that, I'm assuming the main event, we're going to see Cody as WWE champion, Mm -hmm. teaming with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn as the tag team champions, and taking on Roman Reigns and the Usos. Yeah, I I think that it's just, I love this storyline, even, I mean, after Monday Night Raw, if you went on to Twitter or whatever social media platform, Every single person was talking about what just happened. Jay Uso turning on Sami Zayn, the beatdown that took place. It was just, it was monumental. Yeah. It really was. And uh, WWE also announced that Becky G was going to be singing America the Beautiful, night one of WrestleMania. And at night two, it's going to be Jimmy Allen singing America the Beautiful. And I think that's pretty cool. They're both up and comers. Uh, Probably should have seen Jimmy Allen when he played free at Epcot. Apparently, somebody McFoley. reached out to McFoley to induct him or her. I have my guess. Who do you think? I think it's Melina. I don't know the last time McFoley spoke to her, but. Melina, is that a legit guess? Yeah. Uh, and especially because know. WWE, I think, wished her a happy birthday today. I don't know. I don't think... I think so. I wouldn't go with Melina. That's who I'm thinking. Nah. Who are you thinking reached out to Mick Foley? Who do I think reached out to Mick Foley? I don't know. I wouldn't say Melina, though. I would say 90% sure it's Melina. I hope not. (laughs) Why? I don't think she's Hall of Fame worthy. I disagree with that. I mean, maybe I have to go back through the books, but I, I don't think that Mick Foley should be inducting her. Who in the world would be inducting Molina? She's not, like, reaching out to John Morrison. Well, I mean, nothing for nothing. I would say with some... I would would have somebody that's related to her on screen. Mick Foley was related to her on screen. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You don't know say. You don't know say. And she's a five-time champion in WWE. Nah. Nah, humbug. Well, what do you mean, eh? Nah, humbug. If Batista was getting inducted, I feel like they would have already announced it. Yeah, it's really interesting that they haven't announced it. And I'm a fan that they haven't announced it yet. You know? Why? Why? I don't know. I, I like the build-up a bit more. That's uh, Monday Night Raw and etc. Going to move over to NXT Roadblock, which opened up surprisingly, in my opinion. Tony D'Angelo picked up the victory over Dijak in a jailhouse street fight. Yeah, I was not expecting Dijak to, to lose this one. The match got started, like, right away. It only really stopped for that commercial break. Yeah. And then he went out there and, like, killed it. That springboard elbow drop through the table to the outside I thought was great from Dijak. Mm-hmm. I liked Tony hesitating, locking Dijak in the cage because Dijak had stacks in there with him. Mm-hmm. And then I liked at the end, Stax ended up sacrificing himself to stop Dijak from closing the door. Yeah. And then Tony D'Angelo knocked Dijak out with that crowbar. Just right in the face. 
And I was a fan of this match. I was a fan of the outcome either way. Uh, I mean... Just very surprising. Yeah. yeah I'm a fan of it. Uh, throughout the night, we saw Josh Briggs and Kiana James and Fallon Henley and Brooks Jensen... Uh, Briggs wanted to smooth things over with Kiana James, and she said that she's gonna call. She's gonna call Brooks to make up to to have a makeup date or whatever. And then later on, Jensen and Fallon were speaking, and Briggs updated them about the date, and she called for a date. And Briggs is now like Fallon Henley, convinced that she's seeing other people because Jensen had zero reaction to when Josh Briggs brought up the flowers on her desk. So it's as if somebody else sent her flowers. Who do you think? I don't know, but it, part of me feels like she's going to end up with Fallon Henley's bar. Could be. I, I don't know that. if that's going to happen. I know we already like squashed that portion. Yeah. But it's part of me feels like we are. Mm-hmm. After that, we had Gallus and Pretty Deadly have a face-to-face. Pretty Deadly were up top. Gallus were in the ring. They challenged Pretty Deadly to come to the ring, and they did, and then got beat down. And they escaped. But I hope that Gallus are tag team champions for a long time. Yeah, I know you've been fans of them for a very long time. I, I'm i still pulling for Pretty Deadly. Still pulling for Pretty Deadly on this one. But next up, you had a pan of the crowd. And as that pan of the crowd, you ended up seeing the NXT on-screen debut of Dragon Lee in the crowd. Um, As Dragon Lee? Yes, as Dragon Lee. I'm pumped. A lot of people thought he was going to be facing Grayson Waller at Stand and Deliver. Yeah. But we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's not him. Not him. Uh, but after that, we saw Braun Breaker teaming up with the Creeds to defeat Jinder Mahal and Indusher. Carmelo Hayes eventually came out and did commentary. He's in that feud with Braun Breaker. Uh, I also liked that Braun Breaker had matching gear with the Creed brothers. But um, I thought this was a, a good, like, I don't want to call it a filler match, but. It was a good filler match, but, I mean, you know I'm a mark for Indusher and Jinder. I like the uh, the dive spot that the Creeds did with Braun yeah, that, all to the outside. And I thought cool they spot. worked really well together as a, t- a, a team. Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a solid match. And the only thing that I'm torn about here is whether or not Braun should have gotten the pin or not. Because I think the Creeds could use that pin over into Sheer. Uh-huh. But I also think with Carmelo out there that maybe Braun Breaker should have gotten that pin. Okay. So I don't I don't know. And Braun Breaker showed up later on and he's like, This was supposed to be next week, but I'm not waiting. He called out Carmelo Hayes and laid out him versus Carmelo at Stand and Deliver. And they both they spoke about the beginning of NXT two and and they both seem to have mutual respect for what they've accomplished in that in this new NXT that's happened. And I think maybe this is the best time to take that title from Braun Breaker. Carmelo Hayes, the think... A champion, finally becomes the champion. Yeah. And then Braun Breaker gets up and uh, shows up Monday Night Raw. Boom. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that it's time for Braun Breaker to uh, to drop it. 
You know, I agree with you though. Uh, next that, up, had you had the, yeah the Grayson Waller, Waller effect, effect. <laughs> with HBK with Shawn Michaels. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, you might as well. <laughs> so yeah, Grayson Waller and Shawn Michaels were out there. Waller said that Shawn Michaels is basically doing everything that Vince McMahon did to him, but to Grayson Waller, and Shawn was like. You're not the guy because you lost. And if anybody, if you need to blame anybody, it's yourself. And then Grayson Waller brought up Shawn Michaels being in charge because Triple H had his heart attack. I wouldn't have expected that to come up in a promo. Yeah, that was a uh, interesting blow. And then he said he's sick of NXT and Shawn Michaels got pissed and Grayson Waller pitched him versus Shawn Michaels at Stand and Deliver and Shawn Michaels turned it down for a split second. I was like, well, God, are they actually going to have Shawn Michaels versus Grayson Waller? And then I was like kind of hoping maybe like we could see like X-Pac versus Grayson Waller. I thought that'd be a cool match. Mm -hmm. I don't know if X-Pac is like ring ready or whatever. But then Shawn Michaels introduces a huge fan of Shawn Michaels and, and somebody big, who fits perfectly into the storyline and a huge return considering this person was just in action the night before Johnny Gargano and they brawled a bit if you remember when Johnny was leaving WWE back in 2021 it was Grayson Waller who took him out and that was literally the last that we saw of him until he returned to WWE in August yeah I think that's like perfect. Oh yeah. I totally agree with you. It fits in perfectly. I'm a huge fan of this. But something else I was a fan of was Gigi Dolan going over on JC Jane. The one thing I didn't like about this, they had a good match. One thing I didn't like was the placement of this. I feel like this was a WrestleMania vibe match. I feel like this like it should have been more. I think Gigi definitely needed that that win, but I wanted this to be brutal. I wanted to see yeah. them beat the hell out of each other. Like, show real bad blood between the two of them. And it really wasn't until after Gigi Dolan won that we got that from JC. Yeah. So now I can only assume that we're going to get some sort of stipulation match between the two of them at Stand and Deliver. Uh-huh. And then that'll be the, the match that I was hoping to have this match be. Yeah. Uh, after that, we saw Chase U backstage, Thea Hale, and Tyler Bate were meditating together. And it was just trying to help her, I guess, get over what happened with Schism. And Duke Hudson ain't having it. He's pissed off. He thinks it's a bunch of baloney. And then Joe Gacy goes out there, beats Andre Chase. We saw uh, Thea Hale snap during this and yelled at Ava. But Ava just stood there. She didn't do anything. Yeah, she's just totally snapped, saying how she's not scared anymore. And she's yeah. Andre Chase Andre Chase took his eyes off the match to high five Thea Hale, and Joe Gacy rocked him with that clothesline. So she mm-hmm. cost him the match, and Duke Hudson was furious with that. Andre Chase yeah. is happy that her attitude's better, but Duke Hudson, he's he's not having it. He's furious because. Yeah. It goes against Chase U. It's making Chase U just look like an institution of losers, he said. He was definitely furious about this one. but After that, Wesley went to announce an open challenge for next week, and Axiom interrupted, 
and so that he's going to be the one to accept. And Wesley's like, if you get there before everybody else. So I wonder if we're going to see somebody else get there before Axiom. Perhaps we'll see, uh, what's his name? I don't even remember. What's Reggie's new name? Uh, Script. Yeah, maybe we'll see Script take out Axiom. Because we had that thing last week. There was no follow-up to that this week. That's very true. We could see that. You know, but main event of the evening, we got Roxanne Perez pick up the victory over Miko Satamora to retain the championship. Um, this match was hard-hitting. A lot of solid punches and kicks. Uh, but Perez coming out as the victor. I also, I like that she said earlier that even beating Mako would, would be just as big as winning the championship to her. Mm-hmm. So I like that there's respect there. And then we also had a, a video package promo from Lyra Valkyria. I guess basically just challenging the winner. And uh, it was outside of the very beginning of this match. I thought it was a very good match. They cut to commercial right away. So I thought that was dumb. But it was the final commercial and they went on to like. To show it all. Kill it. Yeah. And then the one like. The one iffy spot that I think might have like supposed to have had happened was when she went to do the pop rocks um, Mm -hmm. outside the ring. But like it looked like maybe it was supposed to happen because Mako right after that hit her with that Scorpio rising. So I think it was supposed to be that. I'm not 100% sure. But she went for another one in the ring and Roxanne Perez ducked it, rolled her up, picked up that victory. So it seemed like maybe she got like a lucky a lucky win over there. They're now one and one, by the way. That's interesting that they're one and one. I don't know, know if we're gonna see a, a, a third match between the two of them, but Mako was holding up Roxanne Perez's arm afterwards to celebrate, and Roxanne passed out. Yeah, and she, she just... got stretchered out. Booker T got off commentary to check on her. HBK came out, and the crowd went silent. They were worried. They thought maybe this was actually like happening or whatever. I think it's a very similar spot to Shawn Michaels with Owen Hart in 1995, I think it was. Yeah, everybody was talking about that spot with HBK, especially with HBK's involved with, with NXT now. I mean, I mean we for those just that don't remember. The, basically the barbershop H- window the other week. Yeah, and for those that don't remember, HBK versus Owen, uh, Shawn Michaels got Owen to the outside of the ring. I believe Shawn Michaels skinned the cat or something like that, got back into the ring, celebrated, and then stood up and like just no, collapsed. Owen, Owen hit him with an enziguri, I think. And then and then then that might have happened. It, but there was something I think he may have hit Owen him with was the on the outside of the ring. Yeah, yeah. He threw him to the outside of the ring. But I think it was that enziguri that, that triggered that to happen to Sean. Oh yeah. I mean it could have been that. I think he hit him with a power a pile driver during the match too. You know, I remember watching that actually as a kid. Like I remember vividly watching that match and wondering if HBK was like okay. And um, like I I I remember that like it was yesterday. But so now yeah. I have to wonder what stand and deliver look like for the women's champion. I mean, do you keep her off of it or? I would hope not. This is the first, like, I mean, it would be her first, like, big WrestleMania weekend. 
That's true. I mean, they made an announcement saying, or not an announcement, but they put it out saying that she was uh, she was overnight in a hospital. Using the word hospital. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of medical facility. <laughs> so we'll have to see what happens with that, but it's going to be interesting to see how they play it off and everything. Yeah, and that's uh, that's Roadblock. Going to move over to SmackDown. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus picked up the victory over Karrion Cross, LA Knight, and Xavier Woods. This was to see who will be facing Gunther at WrestleMania. Xavier Woods replaced Kofi Kingston. He was injured at SmackDown last week. But Sheamus and McIntyre at the beginning of the match argued with each other. And fought with L.A. Knight and Karrion Cross. Woods kind of sat out all of that. Uh, eventually, they did all fight each other. But I liked the aspect of having multiple referees on the outside to catch the pinfall or the submission. Because then it sets up Sheamus and McIntyre both pinning and winning at the same time. And to me, I think everybody wants to see a triple threat. I called for that a few weeks ago. That's what I wanted to see. That's what I still want to see. Adam Pierce set up a match for next week to see who it's going to be. I still hope that somehow we'll get a triple threat out of that and hopefully Sheamus wins the championship at WrestleMania. After that, Rey Mysterio was announced as the first inductee to the Hall of Fame. That was very, very surprising. Earlier, we discussed it. I said that if Batista wasn't announced yet as a headliner it seems like he won't be getting inducted but Ray was completely unexpected very much so well deserved I think he's probably the main reason why I like Lucha Libre as much as I do and I think probably the main reason why I collect all the masks but the Judgment Day interrupted this also there were huge rumors going around that Great Muda was going to be the one getting inducted uh, announced to be inducted. So that's why it completely caught me off guard that it was Rey Mysterio. But Legato Del Fantasma uh, ended up coming out after Judgment Day to back Rey Mysterio up, start their match. Judgment Day picks up the victory. I enjoyed the match. I think I said it last week or, or the week before that I am all in on this face run for Legato Del Fantasma. During the match, Dominic took Rey Mysterio out. Ray got pissed off and it distracted the referee and it allowed Damian Priest to turn the, the match around for Dominic to get that pin. And then afterwards, Dominic called Ray into the ring to have a one-on-one conversation. He dismissed the judgment day. And then Dominic basically called him a deadbeat dad and said he should have been Eddie Guerrero's son. He pushed Ray Mysterio. He threw his gum at Ray Mysterio. And when he charged at Ray, Ray pulled the rope. So Dominic fell out of the ring. Now with Rey Mysterio being inducted at the Hall of Fame this year, maybe we'll see WrestleMania be his final match. Which is crazy to think about. But he's had such an absolutely incredible career. After that, the Viking Raiders picked up the victory over Braun Strowman and Ricochet. Uh, the, The spot I thought was cool where Braun Strowman launched Ricochet over the top rope. Onto the Viking Raiders. I thought that was pretty cool. But they packed a bunch into this. I'm happy that the Viking Raiders won. I'm happy that they continue to look like a very strong tag team. Do I see the Viking Raiders dethroning potentially Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? I don't know. Not. It's a very poss- a big possibility. 
As of right now, not really. I don't see that just yet. Earlier in the night, Charlotte wanted a match because it's WrestleMania season. So Adam Pierce found her an opponent. Charlotte went on to defeat Shotzi Blackheart. I was just happy to see Shotzi get this match. It's good to have Flair on TV right now, especially because it feels like she hasn't been on in a bit, and it's WrestleMania season. Uh, And I'd like to see Flair have similar matches to this leading up to Mania. Like, maybe she can wrestle Emma next week or something. But Rhea Ripley came out during this. Shotzi went for a quick win there, but Flair got out of it. She obviously went on to win the match and make Shotzi tap out. Rhea Ripley got in the ring afterwards, and she said she's taking the title at WrestleMania. I'm almost certain we've heard this promo from her before, but it's been a while since we've heard it, I think. Charlotte basically said that Rhea Ripley can rip anybody apart. Except for her. There's no way she's taking the title from her. After that, we saw the Bloodline, the Usos specifically, come out. I thought Solo was supposed to be involved. But Jey Uso explained why he did what he did. And it comes down to family. It's because he had to, not because he wanted to. He blamed Sami Zayn for not falling in line. He put him in that spot. Jimmy said the only other problem that they had to worry about now was Cody. I don't know how that's not also Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens has gone on the record saying, I will not stop until the bloodline crumbles. But Cody Rhodes came out, eventually said that it sounds like they want to fight. The crowd wants to see them fight or whatever. And Sami Zayn comes from behind, jumps Jey Uso. Jimmy joins in. Cody joins in. They all brawl. Uso's escape and Cody holds up Sami's arm to celebrate. Very interesting. Again, I, I, I'm just sitting here like everybody else, probably waiting for Kevin Owens. That's SmackDown. I'm going to take a quick break right now, and I'll be right back here with Chris on Marking Out. This is Austin Theory, and you're listening to Marking Out. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. It is Chris and Brandon here with you for the... Yeah, this week is kind of just the all elite wrestling portion of the show. Brandon, hey, howdy, hey, nice. All right, good. That's I like how you have your sticks, and I said this last <laughs> week too. You have your sticks now. It's awesome as always in the beginning, and now it's hey, howdy, hey. So, um, how was your week? Uh, it's been busy as heck. Um, last weekend, I had six basketball broadcasts. Um, Fordham University is a very, very nice facility, and I think. In the broadcast aspect of it is very accommodating because, like, we had this, like, so they had, like, the lower level and the seating and stuff like that. And they had this, like, upper level, but most of it was sectioned off for their production equipment. Like, they had a TriCaster and all that, all the, uh, you know, scoreboard, replay, all that stuff. So, like, we set ourselves up there. No one bothered us besides this old man who was, like, trying to talk to us while we're broadcasting. I'm like, I have a headset on. I'm like, all right, camera two, give me this. Camera two, camera one, give me this. And this old man's like, well, what's this going to be on, Sonny? Is this going to be on MSG Varsity? And he's talking to me. I'm like, get away. He looked like Herbert from Family Guy. Next, I think he was going to ask me if I wanted a Popsicle, but I digress. Would you have taken the Popsicle? Really? All right. Absolutely not. <laughs> I got a whole freezer full of popsicles. <laughs> yeah, but not a not at Fordham. You didn't. Um, no, I didn't at Fordham. But you know the the, the league that was uh, hosting these semifinal games uh, had a nice little uh, 
craft services area with a bunch of uh, delicious sandwiches. I'm assuming, hopefully, I could, they got them right from Arthur Avenue since we're right there. Um, and then Wednesday, I was at St. John's for two games, which was uh, cool as well, especially the, the, the legacy that is with the St. John's uh, University. Uh, it, was, it was cool to be there. Um, and then now this coming Sunday, I'm back there again. It'll be my last basketball broadcast of the year. And there we go right to my favorite time of the year. Lex, bro! I don't know why I did it like that, but, you know. Um, that, but I was very, very busy this week. Uh, not even the other stuff. Our social media is blowing up. It's great. Um, and I when you time to, when you drive to Fordham, do you see the Bronx Zoo? Uh, we pass right by it. But like you don't see into it though, right? No, I, no, I don't. I don't see into it. We pass right by like the main entrance of it. Hmm. I take a swig for the work, man. It's a little iced tea this morning. Don't worry, guys. Um, and then that's it. And then you get off right there. You get off right at the same exit, the uh, Bronx River Parkway, right there. So. Um, great facility, fun. Michael K went there, so that's uh, that's mm. cool. Y- Yankees uh, radio now. There's a bunch of other people that have been there too. So, uh, yeah, so this Sunday is going to be a fun basketball matchup. But you know what was fun? AEW Revolution, highly touted pay per view, um, and I think it delivered. Um, and you started off. You had the zero hour. You had Marsh Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers pick up the victory over Arya Davari and the Varsity Athletes of Josh Woods and Tony Nese. This has been a feud that's kind of been going along for a couple weeks after uh, Mark Briscoe denied the services of another Mark, and that's Smart Mark Sterling. Uh, solid match, really great, and I like the fact that they're really using Mark Briscoe. And I, I like the, the the dynamic of the Lucha Bros. And uh, their ombre, as he calls it, uh, Mark Briscoe. Yeah, I feel like the match itself started off a little slow, but it picked up. And even with all the cool Lucha stuff that Phoenix does, I think it was Mark that was the big standout in this match. He, But he's always been a standout. Even with the Briscoes, too. Like, don't get me wrong, Jay Briscoe, unbelievable talent. And we've spoken about that to the high heavens. But Mark Briscoe, too... I think he's finally getting his time to shine. Yeah, I'm happy and that, yes, that it, he's signed. Yeah, that too, which I think is huge. Um, and I like uh, the spot he got hit with the, the clipboard, and it was like a big like kick-out moment when he... And the crowd popped, and I thought the crowd was very, very hot that night too. Which... They hit the, the, the varsity athletes, hit a, uh, like a double-angle slam. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I don't know very, if they I liked, I liked regularly that do that. And I like the, the, the addition of Aria Davari, too. It's a very cool dynamic. I know you appreciate the Tony Nese, Aria Davari dynamic being uh, <laughs> a 5 live mark. <laughs> <laughs> so let's continue on to the main show. They start the show off hot. Ricky Starks picking up a clean victory over Chris Jericho via pitfall. Jericho uh, Appreciation Society. I, well, oh, yeah, sorry. He Yes, it was a clean victory for him, yes. Yes, it was. So that's a big, big win on a big stage for Ricky Starks. Um. I just don't like that almost instantly Sammy Guevara got involved and I like that Andretti. I don't know where Andretti was to be like hiding, waiting for that moment, but he took him down right away. Yeah. I don't know why, like to me, that should have been a disqualification. But it happened after the match, no? No, that was during the match. I know, but that was, it it wasn't like. The contract states Jericho Appreciation Society banned from ringside, so. Like, I understand wrestling-wise why it wasn't a, a DQ. Okay. But, like, to me, if you look at that right on paper, that's that's a disqualification. Yep. Next up, Jungle Boy Jack Perry finally gets his 
uh, due diligence over Christian Cage as he defeats him in a final burial match. Like this wasn't announced, I think, until like the day of I last think... week. We've had, last week we had like we're like oh it's gonna be a buried alive match, but it's just being a no holds barred match. It was a buried alive match. Jungle Boy Jack Perry gets the win. I think there was something on um, Rampage that set it up. Ah, okay. But like that. Do you feel like we should have had more build for that? For it to be that sort There's of match? There's been a lot... I, like, for that to just be like, oh, by been... the way, it's a casket match. And then commentary had absolutely no idea how to win the match. I could swear they said yes. you have to you have to put your opponent in the casket and then you have to bury them alive. Well, they, that's what they did, though. No, but he didn't bury him. <laughs> Very Acme-esque drop Dude, of that, the casket. I lost it i that was literally one of the funniest things i've ever seen in professional wrestling when he slams the lid down and then boom and all the dust flew up or whatever it was smoke or whatever i thought it was so funny so uh next up i'm very happy about the outcome of this match house of black is your new aew trios champions defeating the elite hallelujah praise be to the dark lords themselves um a huge moment here for yeah you know, for Brody King too, being a, a, a California native and getting to do this on his home turf. Um, I liked the spot where I think it was the they were going for the Meltzer driver and mid uh, front flip. Buddy Matthews hits one of the Jacksons right in the face. Um, yeah, with big. the knee. Yes, I thought it was awesome, and I'm so pumped for the House of Black, and I hope they have a, a nice lengthy lengthy run with this match with this uh, with these titles. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Uh, outstanding women's triple threat action. Jamie Hayter successfully defends her women's championship against Soraya and Ruby Soho. These women, even early on in the match, were taking real hard bumps to the outside. I think there was one spot in the beginning where Ruby Soho took like a front flip to the outside and lands right on her back. And you could see like the grimace in her face and how she was really hurting right there. Yeah, but I think they almost I like, like the fact that Jamie instantly went to the outside, which I would prefer but not. Again, there's been, I know, but that's you prefer not. The, again, the story is this, these women really don't like each other. Well, Jamie Hayter and Soraya, so it's like, and also too, you can kind of say it was kind of a way to protect Soraya because you, you had, you know, again, she's coming off of what was career-ending neck surgery. She's back now, so it's like it gave Jamie Hayter and Ruby Soho some time just to do their thing on the outside, which I thought was cool. I also um, I feel big, like this was just a filler match. Like I feel like it was literally like put there just to put in between the trios and and Hangman and and Moxley. Would you have and, rather another match to go there? Uh I think I maybe the tag match. I, maybe switch the two and I feel like and it's it's so I feel like they should have also had even if it was on zero hour, I feel like Jade should have been on there. I know, and like she's supposed to be the most dominant champion. How is she not booked on the pay per view? And that's one because there's no competition for her. That's the thing. And it could have been reason, anything, like, a quick squash, that, anything. I know, but you don't want another quick squash. We've seen on like, pay per view. Don't get I think me wrong, like you know, like a thing. Let me let me just get this point. Across. Like, and this is like we haven't really spoken about Jade Cargill matches. I think in the last month because it's the same. You know, as we talk about Darby Allen match, it's the same rinse and repeat. Jade does something sick, sick reversal into the Jaded one, two, three. That's it. 
you know, who's going to, you know, there's reports now saying that Chris Statlander is going to be back soon. And she's the one that's going to take the TBS championship off her. And I'm well, all that's about another that. Thing but it's like, that. They keep mentioning Chris Statlander on TV now. Good. Let them mention Chris Statlander. I'm so pumped for Chris Statlander to come back. I've been saying this for years that she should be at the top of the women's division in AEW. You know, that match she had with Britt Baker all out two years ago. Got Dave on the bandwagon for Chris Statlander. Um, so, I, like, and that's a and that's a, a powerhouse match between those two ch- two women that they both will be able to go and it will again like we've been seeing a lot of squash matches from Jade, but Jade again, and I said this about MJF is going to show up and show out at this thing. However, let's go back to the women's championship match. Well, wait, with with Jade though on Dynamite, it turns out she's challenging somebody next week in Winnipeg. And she wants yes. any famous Canadian or whatever. So that leads open the question, do we see Taya Valkyrie? Or is she too big Taya of a person Valkyrie, to lose to Jade? She ha- she's the Impact Women's Knockouts Tag so Team So then she can't, right it can't be she's Taya. Doing stu- she's doing stuff in ML- MLW. She's doing stuff in Triple R. So I don't think it's going to be Taya Valkyrie. Sarah Stock is from Winnipeg. Who's Sarah Stock? But she's only she's only wrestled once in the last year, but I think maybe it could be her. I don't even know who Sarah Stock is. She was Sarita in in Impact and she was a trainer for WWE. Is up she until, still a trainer? Well, no, uh, she, uh, no, she was yeah, released. I know, but like I don't think Sarah Stock gets the pot. You know who would be a great challenger for Jade's match? For Jade's TBS championship? RJ Ooh. City. Let's just put let's just put RJ City in for the team. You know they said Winnipeg, and every I don't know how people come to the conclusion, but people are like, "Oh my God, Kenny Omega is going to be facing Jade." No, and I'm like, I don't think no, that's happening. Absolutely not. Because well, you know, we're jumping ahead a little bit. You know, they they have that triple threat trios match for the uh, championship titles, which I f- if they freaking put it back on the elite because they're in Kenny Omega's hometown, <laughs> man, you you're not going to see me on this podcast for a very long time. Um. So, anyway, let's go back to the Women's World Championship match. Jamie Hader wins. End of the match, though. Ruby Soho turns heel, aligns herself with Tony Storm. I think we all saw sur- it. Yeah, the writing was on the wall for that one. So, I think, you know, going jumping forward a little bit, she had a great promo on, on Dynamite. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Also, Texas, I want to yeah. say, I, How- back with the, that, uh, the final burial match, I thought it was a pretty good match with what went into it. Yes, and I, would I have thought liked, the match. I thought this was a great card. I would have liked follow up on Dynamite with that. With so, what? With, uh, with Jungle Boy. You know, and I want to talk about that because I think it was a very lackluster Dynamite. Very much. Especially so, yeah. coming off of one of the best AEW pay per views in recent memory. All right, now, Texas Death. Hangman Page gets a very, very surprising victory over John Moxley, who doesn't lose that much. There was chains. Who there was forks. Out there was bloods. Never. There was there was tapping, and he tapped out, which I thought was a big rub for Hangman Page. So you got your blood, you got your guts, um, you got forks. <laughs> it um, was gross. That fork spot was disgusting. I uh, Hangman Page's entrance I thought was unbelievable. Uh, is that that's cool like that. Uh, so, is that a, a cover like a famous cover or no? I don't know. Sorry, uh, but I thought they had good hardcore spots. I'm yeah. not like one who was like, oh, when this hard, like, match shouldn't have happened, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I wish there was less blood. A hundred percent I wish there was less blood in AEW. I think they use it way too but, much. 
Okay. And, and, uh, and that's something that I agree with you on. And we had that conversation, I believe, about two weeks ago. Yeah. But the, they they did hard and, – and I say this to Dave too because – yeah, and, and you as well. You know, I am you – know, I'm a closet fan of Deathmatch Wrestling. And when Deathmatch Wrestling is done right, Deathmatch Wrestling is phenomenal. But then you have these guys that the referees are lighting their uh, – lighting people on fire and throwing – missing them, yeah, throwing through tables. Like, and that ruins – that ruins the art of Deathmatch Wrestling. There's guys out there like Drew Parker, Alex Cologne, uh, John Wayne Murdoch. Like these guys know how to do that. Not whatever that would – that viral clip that went last week. And this match is a perfect example how deathmatch hardcore wrestling can be done right and be done on a very big stage. We have a new TNT champion, Wardlow, defeated Samoa Joe by submission. Um, pump for Wardlow. We'll talk about that Wardlow when we get to Dynamite because I'm not happy about that. The, the match, Ward- by the way, not not great. So do you think maybe this match should have went where the women's match was. Potentially. But then... Okay, okay, so... We'll, we'll, we'll put it... But oh, again, no, no, I say, because I, say, I, I, because then I don't want them to follow what they did with Mox and Adam Page. Yeah, but it's like... Hangman yeah. needed that win, by the way. So of course he did. I'm glad that come... that took place, but the placement, yeah. I feel like... I, I don't know where... And I feel like it should have just been, about this. you should have swapped the, the guns with, with the women's match. I don't, I can, I will agree. I will disagree with you on this, but again, it is subjective. Let's talk about this tag team match though. The guns successfully defended their AEW tag team championships over the acclaimed Triple J and Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy. Like Beyond the fact that chaotic, as expected. Be, Beyond chaotic, I thought there were some fun spots in there. I like the fact that Sanjay Dutt and Satma Singh got to show their culture here by coming out dressed up in the the full Hindi garb. I just wish that they weren't involved. Okay, but again, they're a heel team. They're a heel faction. No, but they're going to get so involved. like they they're allowed to get involved. But when Max Caster goes to use the guitar, Aubrey takes it away. That makes no sense because she sees what he's doing in that. They she sees them get involved. They were they were in the ring, so like for me, it makes no sense that she takes that away. There's first of all, there's no DQ because there's three teams. Unless Four you teams. want to specify, like if you if you do this, you get DQ'd or something. But she has no problem with them fighting with Double J and and doing that. But as soon as Caster goes to use the guitar, to me that's goofy. Okay. Bigger story out of the end of this, though. Guns get on the microphone, say we're the best tag team in the world, and we have the return of FTR, who uh, Dax Harwood gets busted open. We see a shatter machine. They call it the shatter machine, um, and it looks it looks like FTR's back in AEW. I would like Dax- to know why they changed that back. Maybe they got the copyright for it, or the trademark. You know, and it's not, doc- it's not back in AEW. They were never not in AEW. Well, they took a, what was allegedly said was that they were going to take some time off until about April when their contracts are up. But I listen to Dax Harwood's podcast. It's great. Get a, a listen if you want like a deep dive. This week they started the uh, March Madness of Tag Teams, which I thought was a very fun listen. So go take a look at that. He said they were going to wait till April, come back, and then maybe talk about their con- renegotiate their contracts or maybe go somewhere else. And there Apparently, was a, a report. Said, he thinks 
a report came out saying that well a report came out saying that they signed like a super long extension i this was a part of my rant he didn't he didn't i don't think he didn't debunk it he said i'm not telling anybody you know we have until this day but let me go back to what i was saying so Dax, on his podcast, says, you know what? He thinks that Tony Khan might have listened to the podcast and gave them a call and then brought them out to do this because they wanted to come back and wrestle. Because at the end of the day, these guys are professional wrestlers. I like it. This is a feud between FTR and the guns that has been building up for some time. So will it be, again, as Brandon mentioned, allegedly these really super credible news reporters are coming out saying that they have signed a lengthy extension or a lengthy renegotiation of their contract in AEW. But, but, but Dax has said on his podcast that, you know, he, you'll come April, you'll see. So, well, I said the other week that I feel like they're going to be the ones to take the titles from the guns. So yeah. And, and they do. And they'd be, again, They've uh, we've we've talked about it recently has been this kind of like re I'm trying to think of the right word for this rebranding. No, it's not rebranding, but it's like with the the Young Bucks stepping out of the tag team vision and Santana Ortiz. Now, all all those teams that really made up like that first core of tag teams in AEW are gone. And now they have these younger, newer, fresher tag teams in there. A great way to like have a nice base of that tag team division would be FDR. And FDR says, too, is like, if we go to WWE, we can only do WWE stuff. If we go to AEW, we can do a, we can do AEW. We can do this indie. We can do New Japan, and that's something that they very want to do is continue to do stuff in New Japan. Yes, I know that their first run in New Japan as Tag Team Champions wasn't great, but again, Japanese, uh, the way that Japan was handling the pandemic was a lot different from the way that the United States was handling the pandemic. So now that the borders are a little bit more open, restrictions are done, maybe we could see FTR a little bit back in Japan. That is, if only they're going to be staying around with AEW. That's all I got to say on the tag team division. I thought the match was fun. It was chaotic, as Brandon said. Let's move on to a main event, which we have been predicting for some time. MJF. I sound like a broken record, has been showing up and showing out, and he did so in AEW, winning an Iron Man match in sudden death, 4-3. to three. I'm about to sneeze. I'm going to mute my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there we go. But MJF, he did it. He won an Iron Man match against the best in the world. He's now the best in the world. I thought this match was incredible. I think they spent a good chunk of the beginning doing like a lot of the nothing spots like MJF was outside of the ring a lot. He threw the the drink on that kid, the tequila. That apparently. was that was apparently alcohol. But again, yeah. did MJF did MJF know that was tequila? I mean, even no. if it was water, it's not like I know. But apparently shouldn't be and doing I said and I said and I said this to Dave, Tony Khan was going to make right by it and he did. Apparently the kid went backstage met Powerhouse Hobbs, you know, and Tony Khan said it on the uh, media media scrum afterwards. He goes, "We'll be seeing the kid's name is Titus We'll be seeing Titus a lot more when we're in the California area. So they had to sign it, they, right he signed him to a contract because of that. <laughs> uh, listen, there's other there's other minors that are signed to contracts already at AEW. So yeah, mm. the match was good. Brian Danielson goes up, uh, you know, within a half an hour, two zero lead. MJF then comes back around to go up three to two. Danielson ties it at the last second. It goes to sudden death. MJF wins with a label lock. I don't think there was like. 
I know you said there's slow parts and stuff like that, but I don't think there was like, uh, like some Iron Man matches like, oh man, this match is so long. Oh my God, it's getting so long. I think they did a very good job of really keeping everybody on their toes with this one and having spots here, spots there. So, um, and a lot of people, a lot of people are like, this Iron Man match was so much better than Brett versus Sean. And it's like, objective. I mean, a lot of that match was like, what are we doing here? What, what match? Brett versus Sean. Yeah, I know. For me, for me, the best, even though it was 30 minutes long, I think the best Iron Man match was Bailey and Sasha Banks. Of course you would say that. Because I was in the building Subjective. Court. No, I wasn't there for that. I thought you were. I thought you went to that to take over. No, that wasn't the, 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 that, the Iron Man match that they had was afterwards. And, and WWE at one point tried to tout that as like their best match. And then everyone was like, well, hold on. It was, it was takeover Brooklyn. That was their best match. Yeah. Because that was that. I think that was the, the first main event for them. Okay. Even yeah. Though, first even though takeover Brooklyn should have been the actual main event. Like I said the other week too. Yes. But, um, yes. That that running knee into the barricade I thought was dope. The elbow yeah. drop onto the table and then the tombstone to the rest of the broken table I thought was cool. Yeah, it was and like I there was one of their videographers that got this unbelievable shot of MJF jumping off the top turnbuckle through the table. Um, they posted it on their social. It was outstanding. But I, I, uh, I didn't like that Tony Schiavone was the one like getting all the messages to to announce that it was sudden death. Justin Why? and the referee both have earpieces. Why is Tony doing it? Listen, give Tony Schiavone some love here, man. Don't, and don't I would hate really, I really wish that they didn't do that sudden death spot. Why? Because I feel like that's just overdone. But it's, that's an but that's an Iron Man match, and it was I thought I liked it because the fact that MJF made him tap out to the LaBelle lock. MJF tapped it, out a lot in this match. I think it was like two or three times. Uh, uh, he, no, he only, let's see. MJF no, he tapped out. MJF tapped out when the time expired. MJF tapped out when he had the, when his, uh, hand was on the rope. He only, so they, he the, only those taps didn't count. But, well, the, the taps he didn't count, mission. but, but they he tapped count. out yeah. a lot more than, than was in the match. But he tapped out, he tapped out when it, when he knew that he wasn't going to lose a pinfall. Right. Yeah. And then, so, and anyway. then afterwards, when we were in that sudden death, when MJF rolled out, he smacked Brian in the face with the the oxygen tank. Yeah, which, which I, I don't, I really don't understand how the referee. He was right there. I don't know how the ref didn't see that. But Listen, have you ever refed an, uh, an hour long Iron Man match? It's probably exhausting for them too. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I feel like a lot of yeah. I'm not gonna. Yep. Let's let's, 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 yeah, let's move on. Yeah. It's super subjective, Mark. Um, but anyway, you know, a lot of people, a lot of credible news uh, journalists are saying this may be one of the best AEW matches since Cody and Dustin in their match. Uh, I think that was, um, double. I I would say maybe it was better. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's, I would say that this was a very good Ironman match. Like, I think it was better than Brett versus Sean. Mm-hmm. I have to go back and watch Brett versus Sean. I haven't watched it in a, in a hot minute. So, um, but yeah. And it's just funny to- that people are getting like super hot over that. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to touch on the two promos after uh, like, I want to touch on a couple of things about this. First of all, I want to talk about the media scrum the, the with media MJF, scrum? by the way, Pickles. 
Yeah, I, pickles. Loved it. I was all. I went to go look, and the, the the place was sold out. Of course they were, just like what happened with CM Punk, and now no, I no, but I don't they... think it was. I don't think it was because of MJF. I think like they just had all their stock was sold out, and they were they're in the process of restocking. But apparently pickles are good after a workout. I was like, it's like why is he eating a pickle? And I know like, I know the trainer that MJF works with. A lot of professional wrestlers on Long Island work with him, and apparently. Uh, pickles are high in sodium, making them robust in electrolytes, which is extremely beneficial for athletes for restoring electrolyte balance after workouts and during endurance performance. It helps with sore muscles, stuff like that. So that's why he was probably snacking them because he's an athlete. Um, I thought MJF's new conference in the media scrum, I thought he was very well-spoken. Um, but, but, you know, first coming out and cursing out Meltzer and all that stuff. I mean, probably for cursing out Meltzer, but, you know. <laughs> um, and I can't believe that guy went up and ate a pickle. Um, so I watched but, the media scrum after yes. the, the pay-per-view. And it didn't hit me until the day after that the guy goes up there and takes the pickle, like, eats it. I started to think, I'm like, holy crap. MJF took a pickle with his bare hands. He's got blood all over his hands. Oh, God. I didn't realize that till now. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then he like made that guy go up there and take it. And what sucks is that had I been there, I probably would have taken the pickle without even thinking about his bloody ass hands. <laughs> That's awful. But I thought MJF was very well-spoken after this. He really, like put it in everybody's head. He goes, yep, I'm the best wrestler in the world, this kind of thing. And one thing that I found very poignant to me that he said in there was the fact that he said, this guy right here, Tony Khan, is very lucky he got me when he did. So, like, you know, he's been seeding the War of 2024. Maybe there's not going to be a War of 2024. Maybe this is all, you know, hype and stuff like that. So, I just um, wish there was less cursing. I know, but still, it's a media, it's a media scrum. Whatever they could do, what they want. That's again, again, subjective. Anyway, let's talk about the promos from AEW Rampage between those two Wait, guys. Wait, was there not another? Before we start talking, was there not another media scrum you wanted to speak about? No, that's all I want to talk about. The MJF thing. That's it. Oh, okay. The pickle, him talking about you know Tony Khan's very lucky he had him, and that's it. Um, the two I'm promos, surprised there's not like a, an and- MJF pickle shirt yet. Wait till his rebar mitzvah this coming Wednesday on Dynamite. As it's going to be in Winnipeg. That's MJF just said. He's going to have a rebar mitzvah. Which people don't typically get at 26. I'm going to a bar mitzvah on Saturday, tomorrow, or today. For a 13-year-old. Yes, for a 13-year-old. I was 12 when I was was bar mitzvah. Why? That's just the way the the calendar. I guess in Jewish years, I was 13 at that point. I don't know. Well, it was well, like a month, a, a few weeks before my birthday. Nice, um, but the, the the rebar mitzvah thing—it's usually reserved. Like you're t- typically, if you're gonna do it, people do it in their 80s, like 83, because it's like life expectancy, life expectancy plus 13 years, so it's like 83. Okay. So, and which okay. I feel like that's a rare thing as well, but so nice. Cool. And then also, Brian Danielson had that video later on. Yes, later on, very upset. You know, he said he when he was in the LaBelle block, he was thinking about his children and how he had MJF said he wasn't going to do it. And he said it's time to go home. So there, 
Leave the light on. That's what that, that promo, it's like, it was so different, but it reminds me of that Mankind promo. Why? Because he was sitting down? I don't know. It's just like, there's so, like something in the voice, I guess, where it, I just, I don't know. It's something, I can't say what reminds me, but it's just like, I'm coming home. So it's like, does home mean so, Ring of Honor? That's what a lot of people were thinking. Maybe like, but again, like. We're kind of lucky that we've been seeing all of this Brian Danielson this year. Maybe he just needs some time to actually legitimately go back to his house with his wife and children, spend some time. It, you know, it's becoming springtime, so he might have to plant a whole bunch of new crops because, as we've seen <laughs> on social media, he plants a whole bunch of stuff in his backyard. Um, so, yeah. So that's that when it comes to MJF and Brian Danielson. Next week we get a rebar mitzvah. Brian Danielson's going home. Maybe he'll come out of Supercard of Honor. We'll see. Let's get to Dynamite. Still in California, but this time they're at the Golden One Center in Sacramento, California. Um, the All Atlantic Championship was defended when Orange Cassidy successfully defended against Jay Lethal. Uh, this match was set up at like in backstage promos and stuff like that, going into uh, going into Rampage. I don't know why we had to have. It. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think two of these competitors are outstanding, especially Orange Cassidy. But I don't know why we got this match again. I feel like we just saw this, and I I, also, I, I raved about it. It was my match of the week. <laughs> the Jay Lethal just lost the tag team championship match. How was he able to get this? Yeah, I know, but I you know Orange Cassidy is a, is a is a fighting champion. I um, think a lot of the spots in this seemed forced. Okay, but. We saw Double J, Sanjay Dutt, and Satnam Singh were banned from ringside. I like that, where the referee like really like tried to get them away from ringside. We saw Double J hit Orange Cassidy with the stroke afterwards and smash the guitar over yep. his knee. And smash guitar over his knee, and then later in the night, Tony Khan and then the best comes friends on... chase them off. Yeah, I've been not talking about that. That's fine. Uh, but later on, Tony Khan then announces next week in Winnipeg, it'll be Jeff Jarrett versus Orange Cassidy. And because Shazam told him so, the All-Atlantic <laughs> Championship will be rebranded as the International Championship. It's leveling up. As goofy as the announcement was, like that, that doesn't seem like a live announcement. It seemed like they could have like worked on that and like retaped it and something. Uh, that's the best news of all week. I feel like I won with I've- this. The, the internet one with this, but I really like. I wanted to make the picture of the week, and you probably already made it something WWE centric. It's um, pickles. It's pickles related. Okay, because I was gonna make it that viral meme that's going around of Liv Morgan and the PR guy, and like a, a cartoon blurb saying, "So they called it the All Atlantic Championship when there's clearly the the J- Japanese flag on it, and that because Shazam said so, they they're now calling it the International <laughs> Championship." I thought that I mean that's a that's a better one, but any, anyway, I digress. Pickles are good with me. I'm a kosher dill guy. Um, next week, uh, do, you, do you see Jeff Jarrett winning the international championship? Am I the only you know, one that's Jeff like crazy Jarrett here? is a very very international guy? He wrestles in Mexico. He wrestles in Japan. Wrestles Global in Force Canada, wrestling. United States. I think so, I, I think I, we could see <laughs> Double J win that championship, and, and the internet obviously they're gonna. Be pissed off. I'll, I'll be completely fine with Double J winning Dude, that title. I love it. I think it's great. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we're going to get Orange Cassidy versus Jeff Jarrett next week for the new international championship. They could have done like a really like hyped backstage like promo, give us some nice beauty shots of like the international on the title and stuff like that, but whatever. I digress. I don't understand. They're going to um, level I, it up. W- what does that even mean? Is that something I think it's a, a catchphrase. Have you seen Shazam? I, no, there's a new one coming out soon. Yeah, but did, I have, did, I have does he paid. level up in Shazam? Is that a thing? 
I don't know. The only movie I care about that's coming out right now is Super Mario Brothers movie, and I am beyond stoked for it because I just saw that trailer. Did you see the final trailer yet? No? I don't know. Oh, my God. It just came I know, out I yesterday. I didn't, actually. I was thinking, oh. I was like, did I see a trailer? I watched a trailer, but I didn't see it that Every no. trailer that I've seen, or like they made like a one minute and 30 second clip in the movie, I have almost burst into complete tears because they re- it's going to be the best video game movie of all time. Um, because Let's a go. No, like, trust me. And like all the vo- <laughs> and like you hear more, more out of Chris Pratt's, Chris Pratt's Mario in this, and he sounds it's great. It's Mario. What, whatever. Potato, potato. Um... But it just, it's going to be – I'm so stoked. And by the way, we're recording on Mario Mario Day. So happy Mario <laughs> Day, Brandon. You uh, need any Rick, mushrooms today? Oh, brother, not yet. Um, but I do have mushrooms in my fridge. Maybe I'll saute those with a little uh, – Maybe I'm going to get a pizza tonight, so maybe I'll do half mushrooms. I wonder how many yeah, people do that, do that to celebrate. What kind of mushrooms they take in, brother? Anyway, let's talk about Pobs and let's talk about Wardlow. Uh, there was Whoa. a social media clip Ricky, that went Ricky about Monday night. Well, the, we could talk about Ricky Starks too, but let's talk about these guys first before we get to their main event match. Uh, Wardlow posted a video on social media the night before saying somebody broke into his car and took literally everything. Everything out of his car. Um, and then you have Powerhouse Hobbs backstage. He's like, oh man, it's so shame, blah, blah, this sort of thing. Wardlow had a promo on Rampage saying, you know, I don't have gear. FTR gave me this shirt. Let's have a no-holds-barred match. Boom, sets up the main event. Now let's talk about Ricky Starks, who comes off of a fantastic pay-per-view win over Chris Jericho. He says he's been taken down the Jericho Appreciation Society, and what's next for you? And what's next for him? It. I think everybody marked out a little bit when they see the Bullet Club uh, logo on the screen. But the it was crowd, Juice. Juice like, Robinson comes out. Yeah, the crowd went nuts. What, the crowd? Yeah, they did go. When you hear like the, that down, the, the guitar riff, it's like, oh, my God. It's But we've seen Jay White. In AEW before, so I don't think it would be that. It was Juice. It looks like they're finally going to start using Juice more on AEW programming. As soon as Juice came out, people were like, no, never mind. We thought it was Jay White. It's not. I like Juice too, but people, I think, were thinking it was Jay White. I know. And then it wasn't, and they were like, oh. I don't know where Jay White's... I have no clue where Jay White's going. Um, And it's weird. At that media scrum, Ricky Starks was talking about, like, not... Uh, maybe like not believing him, believing in himself or whatever. Yeah. I felt like I believe him now less on the mic. Really? Yeah. Like I didn't like this promo. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's been in this, you know, Jericho pregation society thing for a while. So, um, so yeah. And like, like anyway. he was trying to explain like, why did I challenge Chris Jericho if I already beat Chris Jericho? Well, then I could say I beat Chris yeah. Jericho twice. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. All right. Well, let's continue on. Renee Paquette, the glue that holds an AEW show together, an AEW dynamite, you could say, uh, was in the ring of Ruby Soho, who cut a vicious, vicious promo. She said, you know, I faced Chris Statlander in the semifinals, and I got booed out of the ring. I was booed against Jamie Hayter. No one in AEW appreciates me, so she, that's why she aligned herself with Soraya and Tony Storm. It was you people. You people. You, you people f- are the reason why I turned or whatever. And it's like, it's not us. It's not our fault. It's whoever booked you against somebody who's hotter than you. Yeah, so. Uh, you want, you went- want us to, to not book Ruby Soho? Don't book her against Chris Statlander, who's one of the most over people in AEW. I can't wait for her to come back. She's going to be awesome. 
For me, it's Correct. been Ruby's, it, Ruby. I feel like even uh, Tony Storm a little less, maybe a lot less, but Ruby Soho and Soraya have been booked like garbage since their debuts. You can't blame the fans for that. But it's like, again, you're bringing in outsiders when you already have a, a whole bunch of homegrown talent. It's like... You know these you know these AEW stands. They could you know they don't care about the Soraya's. Like yes, it's awesome that we're getting Soraya back. You know she has a in her very short career in professional wrestling. But maybe they the- could care about Soraya, and maybe they should. And the reason why they don't is because it took them like a month and a half or whatever to set up a, a match. It was literally one week, week after week. Oh, we'll hear from Soraya. We'll hear from Soraya. We'll hear from Soraya. We'll hear from Britt Baker. Like yeah. what? What we we complained about that when that happened? Yes, it was just it took too long for that to happen, and and people are, you can't get upset at that. You can't get upset, upset. At, at saying that they've been booked like trash. Yep. Anyway, Ruby Soho goes on to defeat Sky Blue after this promo. I gave her two segments, which I'm uh, I kind of like about. Uh, and then afterwards, you uh, they go to spray paint Sky Blue. Willow Nightingale runs down, uh, and then Tony Storm and Soraya are walloped Willow. And spray painted Sky and Willow, uh, and then celebrated with Ruby Soho afterwards. So cool. Well, well, one uh, of them. You think? Do you think maybe Willow or or Sky Blue could end up joining them? No, I think it's just the trio. Which I would wish everybody would stop calling them the NWO, the Outsiders. Come on. Yeah, no, they're they're the freelancers. <laughs> All right, uh, you had a backstage promo with Hangman Page saying that it's over. It's over. He owes Renee up apology. He says, Mox, he's finished. And boy, were we wrong by that. Uh, afterwards, FTR comes out to the ring and just, you know, says, hey, guess what? We're here. We're going to, you know, what we did with the Briscoes was magic. And now we're after the AEW Tag Team Championship. Top guys out. Boom. Enough said about that. We spoke about Jade. Don't have to speak about her again. Trio's action. Jericho Appreciation Society picks up the victory over AR Fox and Top Flight. And... Afterwards, though, you have with the help say, of Jake Hager and the and yeah. The well, that's that's the classic heel uh, stable faction. Afterwards, they say next week they want the uh, the House of Black. Lights go out, but it's the Elite. Kenny Omega talks some trash. Lights go out again. It House of Black's on the screen saying you want it. Lights go on. House of Black standing there. They say come get it, which I liked a lot. I thought, I thought that was a really cool transition from screen to oh, arena. Oh, it was so cool. So cool, and I, I'm really hoping like now they just keep these trios titles in the House of Black because the cool, ominous, spooky stuff they could do with it is going to be so cool. Rather than hearing "Carry on my way" and like "Oh, let's point and you know let all the marks cheer for us." Come on, <laughs> it's like, funny. You know, it, Don Callis and Kenny Omega. There was a picture posted, like a tweet or whatever, and it's like back to our roots or something like that. And everyone's like, "Yes, she's going to be a single star." And then they announced this Boy, <laughs> later in the night, and it was so funny that they like. Didn't get their single stars, Kenny Omega, yet. Yeah, we didn't. And we're probably not going to get it for a while. And then, yeah, and then Jericho Appreciation Society asked the acclaimed to join them, and they laughed in their face. Yeah, good. Good, You're a natural sports entertainer. They are, though. Think about it. but Everybody in AEW is sports entertaining. Everybody is entertaining. Are you not entertained? (sighs) <sighs> the Blackpool Combat Club essentially turned heel in a match over the Dark Orders, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Um, a lot of fighting, a lot of stops. This match, and- by the way, didn't make sense. Boy. They just had Blackpool Combat Club on Rampage beat Dark Order and two other teams. Yeah, so, but like, I think that match just, they, just didn't make sense to feud. me. 
It's a blood feud. And then after the match, essentially, Blackpool Combat Club turned heel. You know, beats down beats down uh, Silver Reynolds. Evil Uno comes out, stomps them down. Then Hangman Page comes out and, you know, he said it's over. It's definitely not over now, pal. So, right? Like, what the hell? I thought we were done with that. I know. So did I, too. But uh, I guess... But and then next week, it's trios action. Blackpool Combat Club versus... Dark Order of Stu Grayson and Evil Uno, which I'm really like, stoked about. I'm stoked to see Stu back in the ring. Um, and hang I, liked, I like, by the way, Claudio gut-wrenching Johnny just over the top yeah. rope. Right? <laughs> you see Johnny's like, uh, right over. It was awesome. But it's like this um, match itself, though. It's like Mox. I get that he wasn't 100% because of the match that he had with Hangman, but I feel like there's no way that Johnny and Alex could have been threats for, for him in this match. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um it's like, but, you know, I thought we were over this, but whatever. You know, I, I'm, like, yes, I'm over it, but the fact that we get to see the Super Smash Brothers back on my television screen, I hope we see a fatality next week. Um, and then, uh, before we move to the main event, okay. on Rampage, they had Powerhouse Hobbs pick up the victory over Serpentico. Yes. And I feel like, like, how does this make you a contender for the TNT Championship? He's the face of the right because he won the face of the revolution ladder match. But it was just but the way no, to hype I'm him saying, up. Like, before. how does this make him like that? This doesn't build him up. Even prior to that, I said this before. Like beating Serpentico doesn't make him a contender for this for this championship. Like it doesn't make him look like. A yeah, contender. but it, but it's it's just a way to highlight him and keep him in relevancy. Top of the it's called Toma, top of the mind of awareness. So it's just like, oh, hey, Powerhouse Hobbs is here. Look, it's not about the match itself. It's just this highlighting him, showing them that he's here. He has his face to the revolution he ladder match. Been he's built going up, to next week. Though, I'm saying, like, even even last week when he won that face of the revolution ladder match. But then the only person in that match built up was Takeshita. Will Hobbs know, has but, gone on. We, we haven't seen him on TV, first of all. His last TV seen, win was, no. again, something like this. Was with like but, something like Serpentico, and it's but he's names, had all these like, promos and stuff like that. I it's, listen, we, it, we can it argue, wasn't built can up. argue about this all day. I just think it's it, it, it's not a matter of like building him up. It's a matter of just keeping him on your mind and showing him on your television screens. That's it. Anyway, but let's talk about this main event. We have a new TNT champion, Powerhouse Hobbs, beats Wardlow in a no holds barred match with the help of QT Marshall. I wish that Boo! they would stop doing. No holds barred matches or whatever like this, false count anywhere, and have it start in the back. I feel like a match should always start in the in the the ring or something but like that. Yeah, but it's no holds barred, so it can start wherever it wants. It's to. false count anywhere. Whatever, regardless of what it is, I just think this is a big L. Like I like like you, like, you mentioned said, you mentioned that Wardlow had his gear and everything stolen, broken into his car. I know. QT Marshall like, tweeted out, hmm. I know, but so now you, I don't know the if it's storyline or not. And then you're the mark that sends us, uh, man, that totally stinks. But then they'd be like, oh yeah, it's like, well, because yeah, now I don't know if it's storyline or not. Because you're gonna get this sympathy for Wardlow. Oh man, that totally sucks. You know, the championship was ruined. You know, his brand new black black on black gear was was stolen. That totally Wardlow sucks. was ruined. Yeah, honestly, like, and I said this last week, too. Give this guy a run of his life with this TNT championship, and they didn't. And I think they failed. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be misconstrued here. I love the fact that Powerhouse Hobbs now has a title around him. 
but they should have given Wardlow a little bit more legs. Again, you want to hype up Ward, you want to hype up Powerhouse Hobbs, you have more of these squash matches like you had last week. Have him show off the thing, have him tease it like they did MJF did with something or whatever he had before he won the AEW Championship. It's just, I, I'm not about this. I'm a big Wardlow fan. It just fan doesn't make sense. Doing... Like, I, he, like, he was, he was down like, from a chair shot, and they like, powerbombed him off the stage. Maybe they could try to hide that he's getting powerbombed on foam or whatever. Maybe you could try to hide that. Oh, my God. Don't be like that. Dude, it <laughs> looks like gra- grass. It looks like garbage. <laughs> 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 it just, I was going to, because I was going to say garbage and trash, so grass came out. <laughs> but it just it just it looks like not, grass grass it doesn't look good when it when that happens you could definitely disguise it to make it not look like that you think but you would get up immediately after being powerbombed like that onto foam yeah but who, who, how wardlow, hard is that foam and plus they wood over wardlow one week look like a monster and then an absolute joke the next week. He's supposed to have like that fire in him for Samoa Joe cutting his hair, and he was he the reason the whole reason behind his hair growing was because of his father who lost his life to cancer. I know, and it's just like they played this hard story, so you think they give him this big lengthy run, and they don't. Don't get me wrong, I'm stoked for Powerhouse Hobbs. I think he's great. You know, since his since he came in with the the, the, the Taz team, whatever team Taz. He's been outstanding. He's got the look. He's got the build. Congratulations to Powerhouse Hobbs. But I just feel like this is a big L for somebody that they said to me. Like some reporter said it in the media scrum. Hey, Wardlow, last year at this event, you were the hottest person in AEW. Then you fizzled off. What happened? He's like, I don't know. I, I saw somebody say whole that whole Hobbs thing is the, the first person to successfully cash in that, that Sonic ring. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, Hobbs. It's great that he's got a championship now. Scorpio Sky won it, didn't? Uh, but it's, well, successfully, no, because Scorpio Sky lost the the match afterwards. I don't okay. think he retained afterwards. Okay, you're right. But okay. but it's it's nice that Powerhouse Hobbs has the championship. I just wish Wardlow had a lengthy run, and now hopefully with powerhouse as champion he gets months as champion this is the fourth champion in this year so far we're in march the beginning of march yes is is april gonna see another champion i may not june july all every single month and i think i said this i think i said this maybe a month back about like the credibility like the tears of uh, of championships in AEW, I feel like the TNT title has just kind of taken a step down, and the All Atlantic International Championship is like the secondary title now because Orange Cassidy's been putting out bangers after bangers every single week. So yeah, because they're not playing hot potato like that. Yeah, and then Jeff Jarrett's gonna win it next week, and the prestige that that title's gonna have. Oh baby! So anyway, Revolution was awesome. Dynamite was, in my opinion, a big miss. Um, there was like almost no like follow up for what needed to be follow up. Like I mean, like yes, they followed up with FTR and their intentions going forward. They had two small little promos with MJF and MJF and Brian Danielson. But they and by up- the way, I feel like Tony Khan might have known that this was not a good episode with the way he was tweeting during the whole show. Yeah, I listen. I. I'm not the Booker Man here. You, I think there should have been more to this episode. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think there should have been another more. I don't know. There should have been more women involvement. There should have been so much more different stuff in this in this episode of Dynamite. Yeah, I don't think you know the women get like one segment per show. They opened it they... up with it's International Women's Day, and you know what that means? One segment, two segments. Well, that's not. <laughs> you had one match, but maybe they should have. Maybe they should have started like. But at coming off of Revolution, who do you start off? Like, yeah, I, you, I, me personally, like. Go like you can't have Jamie Hader start the show off because she got beat down at the end of that show. The only like reason that you have to have Ruby Soho come out and explain her actions. It's so wrestling cliche, but like it had to happen. Yeah, yes, you had to see Jade Cargill because you know Jade Cargill's stuck in limbo right now because there's no one for this TNT Championship. Um, but let, let's just let's just end it here. We'll see what happens on Rampage and Dynamite next week. Loaded card. Can't wait to see Jeff Jarrett with a title in 2023. And on that note, let's get to my match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Chris's match of the week. Match of the week this week. It comes from Rampage. I know we didn't speak about Rampage that much, but it is the natural Dustin Rhodes and Keith Lee picking up a victory over Mogul Affiliates, Parker Boudreaux, and Swerve Strickland. Um, This is the first time in a long time we've seen, like, a new persona. Out of Keith Lee. He's got the white hair. He's got cape the... It was the, quite the, interesting. It, the cape was very interesting. I thought it was cool. It's good to see Keith Lee back in the ring and how awesome he is. I think that what had happened in this match between Keith Lee and Swerve wasn't enough for what we've seen over the past few months with them. But this is the first... Uh, This is their first interaction coming off of that. You, maybe double or nothing, they put a big grudge feud and really put some story and some build into this. But... I like the... That spine buster was fantastic. Yeah. He's, and he's, and he's, the uh, the aided cannonball that, that Dustin did with... Uh, yeah. With Keith Lee. I thought that was really cool. It's more of Brandon's match of the week. <laughs> and it's mine. I, I thought it was a good match. I, yeah. If it was my match of the week from that card, I think it would have been Riho versus Emi Sakura. But apparently last night she suspended her Twitter account. But I think Rio's outstanding. So yeah, and I I just wish Twitter would stop. You know, Twitter is a bunch of uh, you know quote unquote journalists as they thought that Matt Cardona had a reality TV show that was coming out that was going to be oh on. Oh my uh, god, that um, was a great, great, great uh, sizzle reel, by the way. But uh, you know. That's a rare L for for Fightful, I think. Listen, there's no, there's two credible now. There's only two credible wrestling journalists in my in my mind: Ryan Satin and Dave Lagreca. And on that note, Brandon, who are you shouting out? I'm Louie Anderson, and survey says Brandon shoutouts. The first shout-out goes to Free Ridge, which I spoke about last week. It's a spinoff of On My Block. Uh, I finished the whole show and the first season of this, and I really like how it ties into the, to the On My Block show. I wish there were more seasons of On My Block, so it's nice to get, I guess, tie-ins through this new show now. And I hope Free Ridge gets a second season. I'm not sure if that's like a thing yet. But I'm I hope it gets a second season. Yeah, I would say if you got Netflix, check out On My Block and then check out Free Ridge. It's a spinoff. It's a TV show. Four seasons of On My Block, one so far Free Ridge. Uh, next up, I'm going to stick with Netflix. It's a movie. It came out uh, two weeks ago. We Have a Ghost. It has a good cast. David Harbour. 
Anthony Mackie, Erica Ash, Tignataro, Jennifer Coolidge, etc. But David Harbour plays a ghost and basically becomes a social media sensation due to a video that the family had posted that they, they had moved in. And then they go on to try to solve the, the mystery of of David Harbour's past. Yeah, uh, very I interesting. The, the, so reviews, I... the reviews have not been kind to this movie. Yeah, I, I saw some of it. And I gotta say, eh, eh, it, it's I not really. I thought David Harbor killed it. Harbor's oh, got yeah. zero lines of dialogue, and I thought he killed it. No, no, he he's a talented actor, but this premise and everything wasn't really. It's like I don't know. borrowed premises from other movies, but it, I I still think it could stand on its own as like a super solid film. Oh, what? A super yeah. solid film? I enjoyed this, yes. Oh, man, and no, no, no. What I part cannot... of it did you not like? Most of it. It wasn't but entertaining. But, like, what? I, I don't see how. It really wasn't that entertaining at all. It There was no catch to it. There was no... Ah. I mean, even they got in that... What's her name? Jennifer Coolidge? Coolidge. I'm not a big fan of her. I don't think what? that she's that... I don't think she's that funny. Her annoying voice irritates. Wait, you're gonna get us like her, completely banned from the internet for talking trash about Jennifer Coolidge. Her voice is irritating. What are you talking about? Yeah, her voice is irritating. <laughs> I don't find it funny. You need, um, I mean, I yeah, would, no. you're allergic to nuts. I'd say you need a Snickers, but you can't even. No, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't get on board. I mean, I'm gonna probably. Yeah, no, I'm probably not a lot of people. A lot of people said this movie sucked. I enjoyed yeah, the movie. I'm, I'm probably not going to finish the the what the movie. Probably not going to finish it. But I think like in in wrestling, we talk about how like you need like wrestlers to have really good facials. And David Harbor, through this movie with zero dialogue, was doing just that. So I think maybe that's a big reason why I thought the movie was good. mm Hmm. But I, I got the aspect of the social media and everything. I didn't think it was, like, bad or nothing happening or anything. There was, like, a – I think there was a solid storyline telling – laying out exactly what we were going to see. Uh, but you don't have to agree. That's fine. Yeah. Last shout-out is going to History of the World Part 2 on Hulu. Uh, it's out now. They've been releasing new episodes every day. And this is something else that uh, is getting not the the best reviews. But it's got a super stacked cast. I think there are some bits that are like, eh. But a majority of this, I think, lines up a lot with how that movie was. With how History of the World Part 1 was. Mm -hmm. Instead of Mel Brooks, Dom DeLuise, Cloris Leachman, and others, we have Nick Kroll, we have Ike Barinholtz, we have Wanda Sykes. I think it would have been cool if they maybe did like some, something with David DeLuise to have like, I don't know, just a tie in because his father was on yeah. in, in the movie as Emperor Nero. So I thought that would have been cool if he was included. But uh, right. I just I think it's a, I think it, if you enjoyed History of the World Part One and understand that it had to evolve if they were going to make a new version of it, evolve with the times, and I think you should have absolutely zero problem watching this. I mean, I'm a big fan of Mel Brooks, 
But I don't know. I have to see more clips. I'm probably not going to watch it straight through. I'll probably just... It's a really fast watch. Yeah. You don't you don't realize you're watching as many episodes as you are in a row. Mm-hmm. And I like the story. I wish I can get like like actual storylines like all together instead mm-hmm. of having it like chopped up how everything was in the movie. But yeah, like little. But it's I mean it's the exact skits. same thing. So yeah, that's yeah. what it is. So it's like I think it's lines up perfectly. So check out History of the World Part Two on Hulu. Those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our Markout Moment of the Week. That is right, our Markout Moment of the Week. Take it. A&E aired the biography of China this past week, and Kia Stevens was one of the women that was interviewed, and billed as Awesome Kong instead of Karma, and I thought that was really cool. Wow. And then when it came time to talk to talk about New Japan, she uh, they, they had um, Rocky Romero on, so I thought that was pretty cool, even though it said he was a retired pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not. That's pretty cool. I thought that was pretty cool that he interviewed that they interviewed him for that. Mm-hmm. Um, also 2K did confirm the downloadable content list for WW2K23 this week no Luna even though the picture says Luna no Carlito <laughs> even though the picture says Carlito I have no idea why their names are on the search and find but I knew that I said it the other week this is going to lead to people being disappointed I don't know if I named the Steiners last week, but they're in it. Um, I think the only other person who I couldn't name was Zeus. Hmm. Zeus is going to be, I it, think which that, is very surprising. I mean, it's bummer that Luna's not in it. I mean, I think Luna is one of the one of the great ones. You know. Yeah. But um, but they they have uh, it's basically just a, a lot of NXT characters which I'm happy with. Gal is still screwed. Uh, the Dyad still screwed. Mako Satamora not in it makes no sense. I but... mean, at least give me grizzled young vets. I know you mentioned Dyads, but give me something with yeah. the two of them. Yeah, they're not they're not in it, and it makes no sense. But I hope. Bad News Barrett has his has his next Nexus theme song, and I feel like he's not going to, but I hope that he does, mm-hmm. because that was such a good theme song. That was. But they also showed off that Molly Holly's got three different models in the game. I gotta say that there's uh huh there's she has her normal attire, and then there's two versions that come from My Rise, which is a 2002 Molly Holly and then a Royal Rumble 2022 Mighty Molly. When the news broke, there's somebody posted a screenshot of Hurricane's pal being, uh, or Alliance partner or whatever, being Mighty Molly. It had me hoping that it'd be like blonde Mighty Molly, but I'm like, I'm fine that it's still the, the Royal Rumble version mm-hmm. with the short hair and, and brown hair, whatever, from 2022. But I'm assuming maybe... So this week there was like a, a lifted embargo of clips and everything. People were allowed to post right before the game comes out. It comes out next week. So they were able to post stuff and people are going through the rosters and everything. 
80s Hogan is missing, and we've seen him. He was in commercials. Ezekiel was not there, and we know we've seen him. He got confirmed for his um, for his rating. Nikki Cross wasn't on the list, so I'm thinking maybe those people who weren't there could end up being My Rise characters. And the My Rise characters this year are, we know, unlockable. Last year, what's the status? Had to literally like do whatever he did to get them out of that mode and let us use them. Mm-hmm. And then 2K was finally like, fine, we'll give this to you, but we're not giving you my faction characters. And we find out that my faction this year is going to be just like the the last year, where there's going to be hidden attires and characters that are locked behind my faction. And I think that's garbage. Absolutely trash. And it makes no sense because it's not like... If you made it where it's like, oh, if you if you unlock this card, then you could use this person in the normal modes, that I can understand. But it's just literally they're locked behind this mode. So you get no enjoyment out of it. You have to stick to the actual matches that they give you in my faction. So we don't That's know who's going to be in that mode yet or what attires. It seems like they're going to be putting like updated attires and stuff in there. We don't know who's part of that yet, but let's say somebody like a legend or something comes along or even like an alternate attire. Why shouldn't we have that in every mode? Why shouldn't it act like my rise where if we unlock it, we unlock it 2k. They showed off a a screenshot of Jean-Paul Levesque. Yeah, I saw that one in my rise. That's super, super random, but like. I'm I'm happy that we're getting Jean-Paul Levesque because, like, not that, like, I'm not a, a mark for Jean-Paul Levesque or something, but I think that's really cool that they went out of their way to put somebody like that there. And he's going to be part of My Rise, and once you unlock him in My Rise, boom, you can play with Jean-Paul Levesque in any mode. Also, people going through the created characters, it seems like they got rid of Kalisto's masks and Sin Cara's masks. I think that's baloney, garbage. I almost cursed. (laughs) Held it back. So that's super annoying. That's what can you do? That's I'm done talking about WWE 2K23 right now. Maybe maybe we'll do a live stream of Brandon playing it for YouTube or Twitch. No, we won't. Maybe. But I also uh, I marked out on this week's episode of How I Met Your Father. They used a clip from Lizzie McGuire for a flashback to her teen years, so I thought that was really funny. That's pretty funny. And you, uh, I assume you have none? No. But this was episode 631. Thank you so much for listening. Please check out MarkingOut.com. Make sure you subscribe and download. You know the drill. We wish you. Spotify, Amazon, Google, MarkingOut.com, ProWrestlingTees.com, slash MarkingOut, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Best Best of luck in your future endeavors. endeavors. Have a fantastic week.